Hey there, freedom lovers. Welcome to the Freedom Media Network. My name is Kurt Mercadante, and it's time for the Freedom Friday episode. Every Friday, yours truly brings you a solo episode dedicated to help you stripping away the layers of tension, limiting belief, stress, and anxiety so you can be joyful, fulfilled, so you can cultivate your freedom. That freedom is your birthright. It's not something you go get and no one can take it away. The key to living a life of freedom is rediscovering it, stripping away those layers of conditioning and programming. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about some of that conditioning, specifically as it relates to your feeling that you need to struggle. You see, some people will glorify the struggle all the way to the grave. Others follow the struggle pornographers right off a cliff. That's what I call all those people on social media who talk about your stories, your struggle, glorify the struggle. They're struggle pornographers. Some people will hit the wall before they go off the cliff and finally realize in the words of Stuart Wilde that life was never meant to be a struggle. You know, when you get to heaven, there's no points for how much you struggled on earth. Yet some of you act like there are. You may not consciously admit it, but subconsciously you might be programmed to believe that. The need to struggle gets programmed into our subconscious from an early age. Maybe you saw your mom and dad struggle, so whether you want to or not, you seek out struggle. Seek out struggle? That's crazy, Kurt. Remember, the subconscious is responsible for 95% of our cognition, and your subconscious is always turned on. It's always downloading everything from your environment, even if you don't consciously realize it. It's been that way since you were one years old. So what you saw from your parents, teachers, peers, bosses, politicians, it all got downloaded. It's still getting downloaded to this day. By the way, keep in mind the fact that your kid's subconscious is downloading everything you do and say. So if you're living a life of struggle, if you're grumpy, if you're unhappy, if you're unfulfilled, your kids are getting programmed with that. If you're programmed to seek struggle, guess what? There's a good likelihood that they're going to be programmed to seek struggle as well. Okay, let me be clear about something. If you have overcome struggle in your life, that's great, good for you, but that doesn't mean I have to struggle. We should be prepared to overcome adversity, but we are not required to seek it out. You know, it was really damn easy for me to build a seven-figure agency, but I constantly felt less than or like an imposter because I didn't struggle to get there. I used to feel bad about saying it was really damn easy for me to build a seven-figure agency. Why? Because I let the scarcity pimps get in. The people who said, well, you're just privileged. You just sound like a privileged person. Guess what? You have the ability to build whatever you want to, and just because you didn't and you got mired in struggle doesn't mean I need to. That doesn't take away from your struggle, but it means that because you see someone else struggle, because you see someone else on social media glorifying the struggle, don't you dare think you have to. It took me years to realize that I was subconsciously self-abusing my mind by thinking that way. So guess what? I learned to identify clear and clean those subconscious limiting beliefs, and now I help driven men learn to do the same thing. Why? Because it's those limiting beliefs, including the belief that you have to struggle, that form sort of a dam that prevents you from getting in the state of uwe or effortless flow. And believe you me, flow beats struggle. Leonardo da Vinci kind of had an obsession with flow. A talent for, quote, guiding water from one place to another is one of the many skills da Vinci claimed when he applied for a job with the Duke of Milan. 
He made that claim despite the fact that, as Walter Isaacson wrote in his best-selling biography of da Vinci, he had done no hydraulic engineering. A fascination with water and how it moved was a common theme throughout da Vinci's life. He had designed and proposed ways for cities to manage, divert, and utilize their waterways for everything from public health to transportation to fortification. It had a lot to do, as Isaacson writes, with what he saw as stark similarities between the flow of waters on the earth and within the human body. In a 1490s notebook entry, da Vinci wrote, quote, As man has a pool of blood in which the lungs rise and fall in breathing, so the body of the earth has its ocean tide, which likewise rises and falls every six hours. As the blood veins originate in that pool and spread all over the human body, so likewise the ocean sea fills the body of the earth with springs of water, end quote. And in his now famous notebook, which is called the Codex Lester, which is now owned by Bill Gates, da Vinci wrote, quote, the body of the earth, like the bodies of animals, is interwoven with ramifications of veins, which are all joined together and are formed for the nutrification and vivification of this earth and its creatures, end quote. And he continued, its blood is the veins of waters, the lake of the blood, which is throughout the heart, is the ocean. Its breathing and the increase and decrease of the blood through the pulses in the earth is thus, is the ebb and flow of the sea, end quote. Da Vinci also examined how certain obstacles would impact the flow of water below the surface, how they would change the currents and the visual patterns created by water. In the flow of water, da Vinci saw one of the foundations of the health and life of the earth, the human body, and even of cities and towns. In fact, whether that water was impeded or allowed to flow naturally could determine the life or death of these entities. Now, more than five centuries later, author Max Borders further examined the impact of flow on the world in his book, Super Wealth. Now, his purpose is to show the impact of flow on market economies, and it draws upon the work of university physics professor Adrian Bajan, who wrote that, quote, living beings and inanimate phenomena have what he defines as flow systems. Borders writes, quote, flow systems from animal locomotion to the formation of river deltas evolve in time to balance and minimize imperfections. Flows evolve to reduce friction or other forms of resistance so that they flow more easily with time. This view has been termed the constructual law, which Bajan first stated 13 years ago, end quote. In fact, Bajan, who got the 2018 Ben Franklin Medal for Constructal Theory, has written, quote, for a finite-sized system to persist in time to live, it must evolve in such a way that it provides easier access to the imposed currents that flow through it, end quote. Now, the flow system can apply to anything in nature, including the human body. The idea is that systems work best when things are most easily allowed to flow from one point to another. Now, Max Borders applies the idea of flow systems to market economics. That is, the economy works best when it's allowed to flow like a river, but stops up when too many obstructions, like a dam, we mentioned that earlier, are put in the way. Can these flow systems be applied to our lives? Yes. So let me tell you a story. Long distance running wasn't something that ever came naturally to me. I'm short, stocky, carry a good bit of muscle, and don't have the long legs usually reserved for long distance runners. But what I lacked in natural talent, I attempted to make up for in grit 
and mindset. So during our high school cross-country practices, I was always breathing a bit harder and my heart pumping a little bit more than my fellow teammates, even when I was even with them or a bit ahead of them. The number of strides I took over a three-mile race was considerably more than most of my taller teammates. Running long distances was more of a grind for me than the more natural runners. There were days, however, when everything came really easily, were runs where I found myself in total rhythm when my strides, breathing, heart rate all seemed to be in sync. It was during those runs that I lost all track of time. I could rip off 14, 15, 16 miles at a time in seemingly effortless fashion. It seems like there were no obstacles in my way, the wind, the ground, the weather, my lungs. Nothing felt as if it was holding me back. I felt like I was in a state of flow. Now, Hungarian-American, the late Hungarian-American psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who passed away earlier this year, referred to the state of flow as one in which we have an optimal experience. He wrote an incredible book, highly recommended, called Flow, The Psychology of Optimal Experience. And in that book, he wrote, and I quote, the key element of an optimal experience is that it is an end in itself. Even if initially undertaken for other reasons, the activity that consumes us becomes intrinsically rewarding. Surgeons speak of their work. It's so enjoyable that I would do it even if I didn't have to. Sailors say, I'm spending a lot of money and time on this boat, but it's worth it. Nothing quite compares with the feeling I get when I'm out sailing, end quote. Now, in the case of my running, it was during those flow runs where I didn't dread being out in the cold. The endorphins were rushing to my brain, and I was in a state of bliss. It wasn't about getting in shape. It wasn't about winning a race. It was about the very run itself. Csikszentmihalyi wrote of these experiences at what he called autotelic. Quote, the term autotelic derives from two Greek words, auto meaning self and telos meaning goal. It refers to a self-contained activity, one that is done not with the expectation of some future benefit, but simply because the doing itself is the reward, end quote. He explained further, when the experience is autotelic, the person is paying attention to the activity for its own sake. When it is not, the attention is focused on its consequences. In a September 96, 1996 interview with Wired Magazine, he described flow as, quote, being completely involved in an activity for its own sake. The ego falls away. Time flies. Every action, movement, and thought follows inevitably from the previous one like playing jazz. Your whole being is involved and you're using your skills to the utmost, end quote. So how can we work to get ourselves in a state of flow? What are some of the characteristics of such an optimal experience? According to Csikszentmihalyi, there are eight such characteristics. Number one, concentration on the task. Number two, clarity of goals and reward in mind and immediate feedback. Number three, transformation of time. Seems like a speeding up or slowing down of time. Next, the experience is intrinsically, not extrinsically, intrinsically rewarding. Next, effortlessness and ease. Balance between challenge and skills. Actions and awareness are merged, losing self-conscious rumination. And last, eighth, a feeling of control over the task. Now, in order to cultivate your life of joy, fulfillment, and freedom, it's vital 
to be intentional about creating a state of flow as much as possible in our lives. It's become popular for social media influencers to talk about grinding or post that your struggle is your story. Remember, we call the, the, the struggle pornographers. But it's actually much more important and just so much more enjoyable and effective to spend your days flowing. Now, in my book, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, the reason that flow is the final pillar is that it can result from the cumulative effects of adapting the other four pillars to your life. The first pillar is superpowers. It's when you work in your superpower zone that things come more easily to you. Writing with your dominant hand is much easier, efficient, and less sloppy, for instance, than writing with your non-dominant hand. It's a simple example. You flow with your dominant hand, not so much with your non-dominant. You're able to do more challenging activities with greater ease, and it's when you're in this superpower zone that you can lose track of time during the activity. Remember, that's one of the key characteristics of the flow state. The second pillar is vision. A clearly defined vision provides great clarity in terms of your desired outcome for your life. And if it's big and audacious, it's absolutely intrinsically rewarding, which again is a characteristic of flow. Alignment, the third pillar of the freedom lifestyle. The very notion of alignment implies a flow between the three facets of your life, family, self, work. When you're fulfilled in your life, your days are certainly more intrinsically rewarding and you have more of a sense of control in your days rather than a feeling that any one facet of your life is in control of you. The fourth pillar, outcomes. The vision you've defined is the clear goal for your life. Building a radically outcomes-focused life ensures that you've got those rewarding goals set for every day, every week, every month, every year. It's also about removing the needless inputs that dam up the rivers of your day. Remember, the key is finding the shortest, straightest, simplest line to your outcomes. In other words, making sure the river to your outcomes flows freely. So those four pillars... The cumulative effect allows you to get in a state of flow. Perhaps nobody summed it up better than Csikszentmihalyi himself who wrote, quote, even the simplest physical act becomes enjoyable when it is transformed so as to produce flow. The essential steps in this process are A, set an overall goal and as many sub-goals as are realistically feasible. B, find ways of measuring progress in terms of the goals chosen. C, keep concentrating on what one is doing and keep making finer and finer distinctions in the challenges involved in this activity. D, develop the skills necessary to interact with the opportunities available, and E, to keep raising the stakes if the activity becomes boring, end quote. In other words, let your freedom flow. And if you'd like to learn how I can help you dissolve the dam of your limiting beliefs that are impeding the flow of your life, send me a text today, 928-275-1511, 928-275-1511. My name is Kurt Mercadante. This is the Freedom Media Network, and my mission is to help driven men free themselves from the limiting beliefs and stress that block their joy, fulfillment, and freedom. If you need help, reach out. Let's get to work. Thank you so much. This has been another Freedom Friday episode. Come back and listen to us on Monday. 